Hi, my name's Shelley Flett. Welcome to the Dynamic Leader Podcast, where I share insights, experiences, successes, and failures with leaders from across a broad range of industries and business structures. I maintain that each of us needs to be open to sharing our experiences and making the leadership playground safe enough to fail, to grow, to have fun, and ultimately become more dynamic. So please sit back and enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Dynamic Leader Conversation. This week, we are talking about self-management and, you know, something that we probably don't always make a priority, but is probably the most important thing that we need to look after. The airlines talk about, you know, putting your own mask on before anyone else's. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about we've got to look after ourselves in order to be in service of others. And so that's what today's conversation is going to be around. And I've got an amazing um, leadership expert and wonderful friend um, joining us here today, Renee Geruso. Um, Renee is highly sought after, and I'm reading this from her um, from her book, but she's a highly sought after leadership communication and mindset expert, speaker, educator, and mentor, and I can absolutely vouch for all of those things. She has a ton of experience um, working with senior leaders and being in a senior leader role. She's got her own company that passionately works with leaders, teams, and organizations to energize mindset, communication, and leadership to lift performance and create a connected and collaborative workplace culture. Renee is loaded with energy and me and her together um, get very excited sometimes. Um, so let's kick the conversation off. Thanks so much for joining us, Renee. Oh, thanks for having me, Shelley. I've been looking forward to this. I love our conversations and anyone who's followed Renee and I know that we can, we do like to have a little bit of a joke and, and a giggle sometimes. And I think, you know, in terms of self-management, I actually think that laughter is probably a big one, isn't it? It is, it is. I think a um, bit of humour, bit of fun, you know, we work, what do they say, 90,000 hours on average in our lifetime. So I think if you can't have a bit of fun at work, there's a bit of an issue there. Absolutely. And I think we have a lot of fun. So that's good. Um, Renee, I want to talk today about um, self-management and your new book, which is called The Gift Mindset or sorry, Gift Mindset. Um, and it's about unwrapping the 12 gifts, gifts to lead a life of purpose, connection and contribution. And it's an amazing book. And I've heard a lot about it since the development phase and uh, how much, you know, um, attention and um, effort you put into getting this book just right and I actually think we were talking about this when we first met about five and a half years ago yeah the concept the concept's been with me for a while I didn't didn't think I'd write a book on it to be honest and then sort of early last year before before COVID I planned to write the book and then COVID gave me you know five months of weekends to pen it so um, bit of a gift in itself I think Sure was. Um, and so what you talk about is that there's a concept, the concept around knowing um, about the gift mindset, but it's a completely other thing um, doing it. And you say knowing something is only half the equation. Mm. Um, doing is where the change happens. And so I'm really curious to look at a couple of different mindsets today. But overall, how does the how do the 12 gifts help to help leaders to, to manage themselves first and obviously then their teams? Yeah, good question. So I guess, first of all, what is the gift mindset? So the gift mindset's a concept 
um, and something I've lived for a long time and shared with clients over the years almost subliminally and realized there was something in it. And it's all the actual mindset is about embracing and not resisting challenges and successes and really embracing the positive and the challenging experiences we encounter and unwrapping the gift in them. So everyone has lessons and I think we get caught up becoming human doings, not human beings. And we go through something hard or a challenge or we have a great success and we move forward without shedding any light on how we achieved that, how we got through that. And I really believe if we can distill down what those lessons are and put them into 12 of these identifiable sort of gifts, then we can deepen and develop those areas further. So to give you an example, Shelley, like last year, I know for you and I and many others around the world, it was a tough year, yeah? And if I have a look at, you know, all the lessons, there was quite a few. The gift, probably the gift of resilience was probably the biggest thing that stood out for me. So if I think about what made me resilient, it was my mindset. It was focusing what I did on what I did have. It was hanging out with great people like yourself. It was having that strong support network and knowing people needed, needed what I offer but I just had to change the how. So if I can say that's the gift of resilience and look at those lessons, I can tap into them again and I can deepen those. Better still, I can share those with others um, and they could be a survival guide for someone else. So the 12 gifts, there's probably a lot more, but I've identified 12 buckets that I think our lessons can sit into, sit in, sorry, that can help us really identify what they were, how we did them, and how we can replicate success. Do you know what I love about that is the how you talk about the 12 gifts and that you can pass them on is really the the one of few times where re-gifting is actually okay. Yes, as, as long as we don't become Indian givers. <laughs> but it's it's being open to share your gifts, unwrap them and share them, but also receive them as well from others. And I think workplace cultures that the more we share the more courageous we are the more open we are the more vulnerable we are the more we can be what the future of leadership is which I believe is um, being adaptive collaborative and innovative Mm. and I, I really believe having this mindset whether you're listening right now you've got two people in your business or you work in a big company you know you're an influencer and leader of self or you're running a big company, you know, culture, culture can be felt. And I think um, I always say, you've got to catch a culture. I don't think you can always create it. Um, And I think it's the people. And I think the more open we are to sharing, Mm. sharing our scars, you know, could really, what's that saying? You know, your scars could be the lighthouse for someone else. So, yeah. That's great. Do you know, the first time I remember hearing about you, you used the word gift was when you referred to a manager who um, was, it was your gift. It was, this is what kept giving. (laughs) That that really taught you, this is how not to be. And I always remember that. I always remember you, you know, my gift. Um, 
Well, it's spot on. I mean, you know, gifts, I, I think there's four types of gifts. So we have the pass the parcel gift. That's the challenging situation. So we never know what we're going to get. Um, and everyone listening probably knows it's a British British party game where you the music stops and you're passing a layered wrapped present around a circle. And as soon as the music stops, you peel a layer off and you might get a beautiful chocolate. You might get a, a spider. Who knows, right? So I think challenging people, uh, sorry, challenging situations, I liken to pass the parcel. And then challenging people, a bit like the leader you're referring to, um, I call them the Kris Kringle. You know, you, you ask for an, an iTunes voucher and you get a pair of socks. So you don't always, you can't choose who's always in your life. So, and then I think the positive people and situations are a bit like a, a bit like a gift voucher. You know, you get a gift voucher and you, you've got choice. Mm. Um, and I think that opens up possibilities. But, you know, the constant in life, as you know, Shell, is, you know, change, having to overcome adversity and also success. You hear the word success, I think, and people go, well, that's the easy good bit. Some of the, and you know too, some of the successes we've both even have, there's so much work behind it. There's blood, sweat and tears. There's doubt. There's long hours. There's, you know, there's so much there. And I think if we can just look at our challenges and our successes, both in the form of people and situations, I think you can share the gold instead of having those presents tightly wrapped up under the Christmas tree doing nothing. Mm, yeah, absolutely. That makes so much sense. And yeah, I love that there's 12 gifts because essentially it is if you were to take the the path and focus on one gift or unwrap one gift each month, then you get a whole month. And I sort of look at this and go what the transformation would be after a year. And if we share what the um, what the gifts are quickly, you know, you've got your first one around optimism and then courage and resilience and gratitude and curiosity and change and growth, then connection, empathy, forgiveness, contribution and re-energizing. And I think about the mindset that leaders would, and not just leaders, but you know, even the people of leaders um, could have after you know unwrapping and working on those gifts over a year is is huge. Oh, it's, it's, it's massive. It's actually one of the culture programs we've just launched because I think, you know, you can, I think everyone has a gift in each of those 12 areas. How could you not, you know? And I think understanding the things that the keys to unwrapping those gifts, we can go, yeah, I've done that or I haven't done that or I could do that. So to give you an example, I don't know, do you want to choose any gift? I'll let you, I'll let you choose. Well, I, I actually wanted to, to talk about optimism. So let's choose that one. Yeah. So, so optimism, it's known, you know, successful leaders um, are infected with optimism in a good way. So optimism is all of, it's an energy. And unfortunately in Australia, it gets stifled a lot because of the Pollyanna syndrome. You know, and I've been told I'm over the top optimistic, always have been. And I know with people that are less optimistic than me, I have to dial it down a little bit. And it's that whole adaptation without changing who you are. But, you know, optimism can help us get through the hardest, most challenging times. So it could be remaining optimistic. It could be an optimistic person that says, hey, 
And Shelly, I look at you as that person in my life, you know, even through last year, we kept each other up. We had a laugh, you know. So some of the, the, the tips to bring optimism in is smile like an optimist, laugh like an optimist, you know, lose the mundane greeting, you know, how are you going? People always say, yeah, I'm good, but, and we know the truth after the but. So, you know, what's the best thing that's happened today? And that's something my mum has asked me nearly every night growing up. Um, and, you know, the, the centre of optimism has a question that's sort of going around, which has had a great response, which is what makes you optimistic? Just asking people that can lift the optimism in a room. So I really think as a leader, energy breeds energy. You can have your down days. I always say to clients, you got a day you're feeling off tell your team and say hey I'm not myself today but just don't make that every day mm, and some, yeah some, something else with it too is limit your exposure to pessimists now those listening might go gee that's a bit rough you know um, especially if they're people you can't always avoid but we all know we're we're the average of you know the people around us the people we're around the most so I always say to people, you know, who makes you sparkle? Who mm. makes you feel energised? And if you're having a down and out moment, connect with that person instead of clumping into what I call the pessimistic cluster. Mm. Energy is toxic. That's great. I um, So a couple of things that come to mind when you're talking about that is, you know, I make it a point when someone says to me, how are you doing, um, is that I will say, I'm awesome. Yeah, you do. Yep. <laughs> and even if I'm not, after I've said it, I am. And so it's a so reframe. <laughs> it's a reframe. And it and it works. And it's it's a bit like um, I do this a bit, you know, when you go and pay for fuel. Oh, my pet hate getting fuel. But when you're lining up to get fuel and there's a queue, just listen to the people in front of you. It'll be, oh, the weather, oh, Collingwood lost, oh, COVID, oh. I always go, hi, how are you? And they always jump backwards. And they they actually go, how are you? Like they don't even answer because they're so wired just to get this negativity. So bring some optimism in and, mm. yeah, I just think bring it into yourself and your self-leadership, lead from the inside out, as I say, and then and then it's, it is a contagious thing, optimism. And what I like about what you're talking about now, but also what I know about you is, um, enabling or equipping people with strategies to deal with that so it was you know reduce the amount of exposure you have to those people who are less optimistic um, or even pessimistic and you know one of the things that I do uh, with my kids if they're going somewhere that you know maybe they've got a teacher that they feel drains their their bucket um, which is what they kind of refer to it as yeah uh, is that I may you know, just stand them in front of me before we go to school and just paint them with a Teflon coating. And it's all yeah. imaginary, but Love it. this whole idea is now nothing sticks. It is, you can you can go and what's on the inside is all yours and you don't need anyone else to impact that because I've coated you with the Teflon. And I love that. I love <laughs> that. But it is, it's a reframe, Shelley, and it's a mindset. And, and you know, I do really want to state don't find out what keeps you optimistic I've been on a news diet my whole life you know even growing up my mum you know very educated it'd be like you should be watching the news and I'm like I'd rather go walk the old man's dog across the road or I'd rather ring a friend 
and look, I know, I know what I need to know, but I just think find out what it is for you. Um, and keep in mind some pessimistic people, even in the workplace, aren't always aware that they're pessimists. So <laughs> you've got to be really mindful. You know, everyone's got stuff going on. So I think to go, and I outline this in the book, to go from pessimism, you know, to being realistic, to being it's a made-up word of mine, positivistic, to being optimistic. It is a trajectory that goes upwards. But on any given day, something could happen, yeah, that can bring us back the other way. So mm. just surround yourself as much as you can with those that light you up. Yeah. I think, um, you know, in terms of self-management, I think awareness is such a huge component of that in I don't have to be optimistic all of the time, but I have to sit with whatever's going on. And I need to make sure that is it is it relevant for what is happening in my day, Um and you know, is that the best way to be? So awareness is huge on that front. Oh, it is. Well, the gift mindset, the the process is AAA. It's awareness, acceptance, and action. Mm. So, um, and awareness, as you know, Shell, people that are highly aware have high emotional intelligence, and that is so sought after these days over you know over IQ because it's how you're being with people. And I think I've got a saying, people before process, before progress. You've got to focus on the people first. And I think start with yourself. You know, you can't be optimistic and giving and everything as a leader. You know, if your cup's not full and you're not, you know, creating self-reflective time to be aware. And it, that's actually one of the barriers of a gift mindset is people think self-reflection is indulgent. Oh, I totally had that phase of my life it was a long too. <laughs> and and even now there's a little bit of guilt that pops up around that and um and I think acknowledging it and telling it you know it's okay I got this I'm, I'm not going to spend too much time here I'm not going to become this no. or a sociopath or anything like that and um yeah I think giving yourself permission is so important it is yeah and create, you said it, sitting, sitting in the space, creating the space. And look, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I probably don't do it enough. Um, and when you're in service to others in what we do, it's so easy to be all attention out and not enough attention in. And I think, you know, that's something that just journaling ideas, journaling thoughts, taking things a bit more lightly, mm. you know, yeah. um, where, as you know, in the middle of our book, sort of media and everything and it is full on at the moment and back to face to face and travel and everything and you know the other night I thought wow I'm back in this world this hurricane of activity which I love as you know but I had to actually go you know you need to take some time off off at Easter and these things you're looking to launch they can wait a bit longer you've got enough going on and it's just sitting with it and being mm. okay with it Absolutely. I want to talk to you about the gift of courage. I think that um, courage is something that a leader, I think, intrinsically has when they step into a role because um, it takes a lot of courage to go from being an individual contributor, a subject matter expert, you know, someone that's just in control of themselves yeah. to then, oh gosh, how do I control everyone else? And so I think there's a whole lot of courage just in that. But in reading your book, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about 
where courage comes from for you and then your thoughts on where courage comes from for others. Um, and I just want to read this little paragraph from the book. Yeah. In 1949, the family, and this is your grandparents um, and your yeah. dad, um, the family left Italy aboard a Greek cargo ship uh, Serenia, I think is how you say that, um, used to transport people le leaving Gen Germany. Nonna and Nonna and their four children, aged three to 19, sailed from for Australia, crammed into one small cabin with a bunk bed, their lives contained in a suitcase each and one large trunk. The courage. The oh, courage there. I know. I get goosebumps. I only came across that family story in a diary from an auntie as I was writing the book. I never knew all the details. But, yeah, to, to take a young family, four children, um, one actually died on the boat from bronchitis, um, and to go to a, the other side of the world with no, you know, they had, my, my grandparents were quite wealthy. They had to sell everything to get their ticket to come to Australia to cooey up of all places <laughs> and um to you know not speaking english four kids all young just so much uncertainty and i had to put that i had other stories in the book and then when i shared that with the editor she's like oh renee you have to put that in and that's when i said i do need to live this gift mindset and not feel indulgent sharing a family story there's mm. a story in that but i think um I sort of, unfortunately, most of my dad's side, including my dad, aren't here. So I was like, what, what were the key pillars of, of their courage? And for me, when I hear the word courage, I just see a heart. I'm very visual. Mm. I see a heart. And you probably know the root, the Latin word means it's, it's to be all in with your heart. But I think it's having such a strong purpose. I think that's a big part of it. Their purpose was probably survival mode to get their kids out of a war zone island to a place where they could have a good life. Um, their support network was each other. They had a lot of trust in each other. You hear the word trust a lot, Shelley, in the workplace. And I think trust has to be earned. Mm. Um, trust in each other. And I think another big part of it was... Um, just knowing, staying focused on what the outcome was. I, I'm sure that's what would have got them to go, wow, we're going to have to learn a new language, live in a wooden, they'd never lived in a wooden house, a timber house in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> With um, loads of spiders and snakes, no doubt, and career up. <laughs> gosh, I know. And look, they had a good life. They didn't have a great life here, my grandparents. They went from, you know, going to the opera and having a holiday house and all this stuff to living in this tiny, you know, towards the end of their lives, a tiny little unit in Essendon and just beautiful people. But they just lived to cook and connect and see their family. And I think the big thing with courage is tapping into the values, aligning yourself with your values and their key value, as with many Italian and European families, is family, mm. the value. And it's definitely, it's in me It's Jeff and my mum. It's, it's, it's instilled in us. Mm. And so I think about, you know, I read, I read that and, you know, what they were playing the long game, you know, there, there was no immediate reward. It was, there was not even a, 
even a long-term reward for your grandparents. It was probably more your generation that has really, you know, reaped the rewards of that. And I think what courage demonstrates is that it's a long game, you know, it's not about this immediate immediate gratification or this immediate reward, is it? That's such a good point. You know, it's I think people think, especially in the workforce or in leadership, courage is a big thing. I always say courage is not always a rule. You know, and I do, there's a case study in there around, you know, getting up and speaking at your first senior leadership, you know, executive team meeting would look like nothing to somebody else. But if you've never done that before, you've got the fear of being judged, you've got all these, you know, these references going on. And I think that's really good to remember is courage isn't always a roar and it's not always advertised. So if you're leading it for yourself, Make sure you commend yourself when you're doing these little courageous things and look out for them with your staff because they might not come up and go, that was a really big thing for me to do, Shelley, but it was. So you should be being mm. aware of that. Well, I know that my courage is sitting still and doing nothing. Um, so, you know, it takes a lot of courage to put everything down and just sit and feel, totally. yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like the idea. The other thing I think with um, with courage is that um, it is one of these things that, you know, you, uh, people talk about generational trauma and how generations um, can still hold that. I think there's a lot of um, courage in the, through the generations, you know, looking and knowing you for the past, you know, almost six years and seeing some of the things that, some of the things that you've done in your life and, um, the courage that it takes to do that, the courage that it takes for you to keep going back out there as a as a small business owner. And I think, what are you, mm. 10 years? How, how long has it been? 14. Since, sorry, 14, so 14 years. For 14 years, you've you kept going back out there. And I think that in itself takes courage. Mm. And I'm sure your grandparents would be extremely proud of you. Oh, thanks, Shell. No, it means a lot. And it's nice to have them, their legacy somewhere, you know, um, and I think what you just said is so important. You've basically courage layers on courage. Yeah. Like resilience, you know, resilient courage is a, a, an underlying, you know, piece of resilience as is gratitude. Everything's linked. Mm, that's right. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, if there's, if there is just one thing that our listeners can do each day, just something courageous just a small thing um that the that that builds on on itself um and that you can kind of keep going from there one shell just one reframe that might help the listeners or the viewers out there is um it's a very simple reframe but a lot of people avoid doing something they're scared of or oh i don't have enough courage because they say it's hard and i always say have you done that before? And they go, no, but it'll be hard. And I say, it's not hard. It's just unfamiliar. Mm. Oh, I like that. And as soon as something's unfamiliar, you go, well, what can your brain straight away goes, what can I sort? What can I perceive to make this happen? Mm. So if you're listening out there and there's something you're holding off doing, I'd really ask yourself, have you done it before? And if you definitely haven't, it's just unfamiliar. So how do you know it's actually even hard to so give it a go? Mm, great. I love that. 
I um I want to move to another gift, which is the gift of curiosity. This is probably one of my favorites. Um, okay. I like all of them, but I love curiosity most of all, mm. and probably because uh, as a young leader, I didn't have much curiosity. I had a ton of um, judgment, and I had a single perspective, and I really wanted to make the world like Shelley. Um, and I'm so glad I failed at that mission because what a boring place it would be. <laughs> or exactly. Or extremely chaotic. Yeah. Um, either way, not a great place if it was all Shelley's. Um, tell us about curiosity and particularly your term state or trait curiosity. Yeah. yeah, so the gift of curiosity could be, you know, and I think that's one we've definitely unwrapped last year, Shelley. We had to go, how could we run our businesses differently? We didn't really have to change what we did. We had to change how. So having a curious mindset and unwrapping the curiosity really does lead to creativity and um, innovation, which, as we all know, is really, really important. Curiosity, sometimes we can look at something. We can watch a magician, okay, and go, wow, how did they do that? And then we we forget about it. We're in awe. It's almost like instant. Whereas if we really deep dive into something we're curious about, we'll actually take that to the next level and do what I call the three steps of curiosity, which is, you know, we might, we might see something amazing in our industry and go, how good's that? So that's just, that's just, it doesn't go anywhere. But if we both said, Shelley, wow, let's observe what they're doing. So observation, let's question and find out what they're doing. That's provocation. And let's deep delve in and have a really good look and get our hands dirty. That's exploration. So they're the three steps, I believe, to unwrapping the gift of curiosity. And I think, you know, I have a lot of leaders and executives, anybody say to me, oh, but curiosity takes time. And I'm like, do simple things. The biggest tip I give people is to flip a statement into a question. So if you're thinking about a team in your business right now that's kicking goals and you're going, wow, that team's amazing, flip that to a question. Why is that team amazing? And straight away, you'll start this whole provocation. You'll be probing, you'll be learning and you'll be exploring, which is what curiosity is all about. Mm. Um, yeah, I think curiosity is the portal to innovation. It's We have to have it. And I think it's a great mindset. And I think we all learn when we go through a success or a challenge. I'm pretty sure curiosity comes in there at some point. Mm. I think, and I'd love your thoughts on this, is my view is curiosity is, again, part of the long game. And so I think it takes a long time to kind of set up. But once you've got this space of curiosity and if it's a, if it becomes part of your culture, that once it's established, actually is a whole lot quicker than not doing it in the first place. Totally. And, and what I see, I'm sure you see it too, many organisations just try and be better than their competitors. I always say be different. And you can't be different if you're not being curious. So being better is maybe doing the same thing bigger or doing what someone else is doing cheaper. I don't know. But I always say, don't be better, 
be different and have a curious, you know, disposition. Mm. Um, some people are born with quite a curious outlook. We all are as kids, as we know. You'd know this, Shell, but why? But why? And then we we go to a, you know, in our early teens, probably younger now, um, where we fear judgment and we don't want to ask a silly question and we don't want to look silly in front of people and our values aren't aligning to those close to us. And then we come back to adult learning and it's how can we be curious? So it's a bit like listening skills, you know, they it comes a full circle. But I think if there's something you're passionate about, if there's something that keeps you up at night, that you keep thinking about, action it. Mm-hmm. Why are you curious about it? And I think, you know, a lot of people, I'm not, I shouldn't say a lot, but many people have great jobs, they're good at them. And they have these side hustles. And I always say to them, what are you getting in your side hustle that you're not getting from your day job? Mm. And they say, oh, this, this, and this. And I go, that's your passion project that you could turn into a career if you actually own this curious mindset. Mm. Gosh, it opens so many doors when you start to tap into that. Oh, it's, 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 yeah, it's massive. It's massive. But it's, it's, it's just the... You know, even like Shell, you and I have run a lot of masterminds and it's all about questioning things. And even if you don't agree, just question and learn, but you've got to be open to learn. Yes. Uh, and again, comes back to self-awareness and what am I actually, um, what's yeah. my intention? What am I hoping to achieve from this? That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, and so if we were to ask Louis if it was okay for him to be curious would that be dangerous for him at all? No. <laughs> no one's going to get... Curiosity killed the cat. Louis's my cat, everybody. <laughs> Shelly's just being smart. <laughs> he's, he's my little... He was a gift in COVID, literally. He chose us even though he like, lived next door. But we were, we were nicer than his owners. <laughs> was he your gift... Of, <laughs> was he your gift of curiosity? Yeah. Well, he had the gift of curiosity to come onto our property and the rest is history (laughs) and I wonder I wonder whether you know the the whole concept of curiosity killed the cat as a metaphor goes nicely with cats have now nine lives and Mm. live more like a cat and be curious that you know potentially we could get burnt but that's okay because we've got nine lives that's right there you go I love it well I think curiosity is the portal to deeper and more authentic communication too because I think if you're expressing, you've got to express what you're curious about. I don't know about you, but I think back years ago in my mid-20s and, and I was in leadership teams back then and sometimes early on, I'd think I'm an ideas person and I'd think of something but not voice it. Then someone else would voice it and I'd be like, oh, God, I should have voiced that. So it's about anything you get a feel about and I, I do a lot of embraining. So what are you thinking? What's your heart telling you? What are you feeling in your heart? What's your gut telling you? Bring in those sort of three dimensions of, of thinking um, and really follow that. And I see um, curiosity pairing really nicely with courage and, and optimism, of course. Oh, yeah, totally. They're all, they're all, all the 12 gifts are pretty much, they're related like you know, if you look at the gift of resilience, gratitude, optimism, and courage underpins resilience. Mm. They're yeah. all linked. And that's why, you know, I was speaking to a client last week and 
he was like, I don't know which gifts are these. And once we got talking, he's like, wow, I could unwrap all of these and find out how I got through things using these gifts. Because once we're aware, like you said, of how we've done something, we're more likely to do it again. Mm. And I, I say deepen and develop further. So the 12 gifts are ultimately soft skills, which I call life skills. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think for any anyone who's kind of tuning in who is in that leadership space, um, which given it's a dynamic leader conversation, I would say most people, um, or perhaps you're moving into that space mm. uh, soon, is the ability to ask questions that open up the conversation as opposed to lead it anywhere or shut it down. And, you know, I think part of self-management is how you manage how you lead others or how you provoke the thinking. Totally, Shelley. I, I, I agree with that. I think you know, pretty obvious, ask open questions. But but something that I think stifles curiosity, if we go to the dark side, is asking more than one question at a time. And, um, you know, hey, Shelly, how are you? How was your weekend? Did you go to the football? I've asked you four questions and I've loaded that about the football, right? And I always use this example as well. Like I bump into you at Chadston and I go, you go high and I go good. And you haven't even asked me how I am yet, right? We're always thinking ahead. So I think it's about taking a step back, um, listening and one question at a time and be curious as to what response you get to then shape your next question. And so do you see sitting in silence, because it's something I'm always talking about with leaders, is to ask the question and then shut up. like be quiet pause I say count to 10 not not allowed obviously but um if you count to 10 if you're always a person that fills the space and I've always been that person if I'm in a group now work or outside of work as soon as it goes quiet count to 10 in your head and someone else will always speak I have done that with my husband and he's like are you okay <laughs> but, but, but it's these little things if you're going to be curious it's the old Dale Carnegie you know be interested not interesting oh I like that I like that um, I was thinking the um the strategies that I use um, and that I share with leaders that um my now 13 year old son says to me I know what you're doing mum stop it yes <laughs> I used to I used to practice things on my nieces and um, like just just different conversations and questions and one of them did work experience with me a few years ago and she comes up to me afterwards and she goes ah can't doctor film me anymore <laughs> so yeah curiosity I think it's especially now don't go back to default. We've had a year of innovation and change. You know, it's been a hard year. I'm not painting a golden paintbrush on it, but keep that curious mindset open for you and your teams. I think it's important. Yeah, for sure. Hey, I want to I wanna cover one more gift if we have yeah. time. Um, and this is one that really connected mm-hmm. me following last year, uh, which was super challenging. I felt like a caged animal. Um, mm-hmm which is around the gift of re-energizing and you share seven keys to re-energizing, um, which are live with purpose, 
do what lights you up, think positive self thoughts and practice gratitude, exercise and sleep well, uh, fuel up with food, get outside and get grounded and practice mindfulness, which I think amazing. Yes, absolutely. Do you do all of these things on a regular basis? Is this a practice that you've I'm much more conscious of it. Um, and the gift, look, the gift of re-energizing is one of my favorite gifts. They're not in any particular order. Um, but to me, energy breeds energy. And I think the danger I, I've had, and I'm very open about this, is I love what I do so much. It actually energizes me. And I wasn't, I've realized, and you know, Shelley, you'll attest to this that my energy comes from work, but, but what about social life? What about health? What about, I eat well, I sleep quite well, probably don't exercise enough. But one of the things that's kept me going all these years at the pace I've gone at and through some tough times, the number one thing is doing what lights me up. Mm -hmm. So finding out what's your favorite part of your role, do that on a Monday morning, right? I have so many people go, I just feel flat at the moment and I don't get to see my team till Thursdays. I'm like, why? Oh, because we just decided on Thursdays. Do it on a Monday morning and it sets the scene for the week. And I know, Shell, you're a bit like me. Mondays, I'm always delivering workshops, coaching, speaking to amazing people like you on podcasts. I'm connecting with people. I'm not sitting in my office on my own writing. I, I, as much as I love that, that isn't my number one motivator. So know what lights you up and know who lights you up. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the other one about nature, I'm a real beach person and I only need an hour at the beach and I'm back. Uh, it's, and I, I did some research on it and it goes into depth, deep, you know, depth in it in the book. But when you're outside and you're looking at an ocean or you're outside looking at a, you know, I'm looking at this beautiful tree out my window, your brain cannot comprehend the data of nature. So it goes into this sort of, not limbo, but it can't comprehend and make sense of it, the human brain. And that's why you go into this state of relaxation. A bit like grounding. If you walk on sand or you walk on grass, you're getting, you, you probably heard of this, the negative eons, which are good. Positive eons come from electricity. So if you live in a high rise, especially through COVID and you weren't getting out, you'll mm. feel depleted. And my biggest tip, Shell, with re-energizing is know when you were your most energized to know when you are depleted. Wow. So right now, if I said to you, Shelly, is this the most energized you've ever been? Oh, it's getting close. Getting close, yeah. And I'm the, I'm the same. So, yeah, but if it wasn't, you'd go, well, it was last... November I'd say to you what happened then what changed so you can't know your energy sort of barometer unless you know when it was most and your team so I have a marketing global marketing manager share a story in the book she noticed her team were a bit you know working massive hours big FMCG company so they decided to do a take two which is two hours a month they can do whatever they want some felt guilty and went, no, I'm not doing it. Some went and did charity work. Some went and got a massage. Um, and she's continued to do that and noticed a real difference 
But the key here is she noticed they weren't as energized. So they needed something and they co-created this take two concept. I love that. So if there's just one takeaway from today's conversation, it is just do one thing that re-energizes you. Yeah, and, and bring it in and don't manage it, satisfy it. I think too many people go, this, you, you, we've all heard it, you know, I get it with some coaching clients. This is my favourite thing. I know that's my favourite thing. And then I'm like, but what are you doing about it? Mm. You said earlier, you know, action, knowing's one thing, actions. You don't want to be transactional. You want to be transformational. And that's taking knowing to action to results. Yes, I love that. And I think, you know, I um, I got into running during COVID and found that I really, really, really loved it more than I ever thought that I would. Yeah, amazing. And was just a little bit obsessive about, you know, how much I was doing. And then I hurt myself. And then um, I, I still needed to get the that, um, that hit, that energy yeah. hit. And so went to cycling and then hurt my foot again. And now I'm on the rower. And so it's interesting because there's, I know what gives me energy and sometimes I'm limited to that. And I think persistence yeah. is what's going to get me through. It's just like persisting to what is next. And, and, and shifting what you've got to do. I have, you know, I, I believe, as you know, in limitless leaders so leaders that evolve, unlearn, relearn and know no bounds in their growth. Mm. And I think the gift mindset, which is what you've just talked about, like you, you didn't say, oh, I've done my foot, so cross that off, I'll do nothing. You've looked at other things that you can do where you can replicate that same energy surge, yeah? Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's finding out what that is for you. But it's, you know, and you know, Shell, as much as anyone you know, technology is the conduit to connection. It shouldn't be the connection. And, you know, we're all zoomed out. I'm, there's not one person I'm speaking to that's like, I'm just, I'm over it sort of thing. And I think, you know, minimising blue light before you go to bed, they say three hours. So that's no TV in your room, no screens. Um, I know on Sundays I put my phone in my drawer at home and if we're out, I was out yesterday afternoon and didn't even take my phone. And I think, yeah, you've just got to, you've just got to find, set some boundaries mm. around these things. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not energised, you can't, you can't pour from an empty, an empty cup. Exactly. On that note, Renee, I want to thank you for filling my cup today. Aww, um, thanks for having me. It's such a great conversation. Uh, for anyone who has not got themselves a copy of The Gift Mindset, um, you can find it online or in bookstores, uh, but definitely worth uh, picking up a copy if self-management um, is you know one of the things that you want to focus on this year or even if you know someone who um, could do with a little gift um, then get yourself yeah and you can read the book in any order after you've read the initial bit you can choose what gift you want to unwrap and I just want to say giftmindset.com has all the links where you can order the book but we've also done infographic posters for each gift and they're all free. So lots of resources and lots of interviews with people about their gift mindset. Mm. Um, so feel free to jump on and download those. Print them out, decorate your office. 
Yes, do that. Um, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I will include that link as well as a link to Renee's um, LinkedIn profile if anyone wants to connect with her. Um, but thank you so much for another awesome you. conversation. You're amazing. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Shell. Take care. Thanks, everyone, look forward to another conversation shortly. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Dynamic Leader. There is no better time than now to work through your leadership and people strategy. To establish what the future might look like for your business and how you might empower your people to help you succeed. It is through building the capability of your people and reducing their dependency on you that will keep you moving forward at pace and will see you remaining relevant in the future. I have worked with over 100 businesses across almost as many industries and seen firsthand the challenges that come with employing, engaging and managing staff. If you're looking to improve how you lead, why not reach out for a conversation? In the meantime, thanks so much for joining me and stay awesome.